This is a production of WEDU-PBS, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota. Coming up right now on WEDU, New College's president defends the conservative takeover of the longtime progressive school. Florida's top health official questions the safety of the new COVID-19 booster shot. Ron DeSantis says Donald Trump has almost zero chance of winning the presidency if he's convicted of a felony. And 300 books have officially been banned from Florida school libraries. All this and more next on Florida This Week. Welcome back. Joining us on the panel this week, State Representative Fentress Driscoll represents District 67 in Hillsborough County and is a Democrat. Danny Kushmer is a real estate broker and a businessman and a Republican. Don Peters is a member of the Pinellas County School Board, is a nonpartisan seat, but she is a registered Republican. And Mike Deason is an independent journalist who's registered as a Democrat, but has also voted for Republicans in certain elections. And thank you all for doing the program. Nice to see you. Thank you for having us. Well, the newly installed president of New College, former House Speaker Richard Corcoran, defended the DeSantis administration's takeover of New College at the Tampa Tiger Bay meeting on Friday. New College in Sarasota has been undergoing a makeover since January when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis installed a conservative majority on the board of trustees that led to the appointment of Corcoran as interim president. In March, trustees abolished the diversity office on campus, and in August, the board voted to begin the process of dismantling the gender studies program. In recent months, more than a third of the faculty have left. Corcoran received his law degree at televangelist Pat Robertson's Regent University. Here's part of what he said on Friday. And the biggest way it's got off the tracks isn't its faculty, still a tremendous faculty. It's in its leadership. They raise about two and a half million dollars a year. Keep in mind a private school just down the road not nearly as special, in my opinion, as New College, raises 15 to $20 million a year, and they don't even leave Sarasota County, okay? What's your expenses? About $3 million. You're losing $500,000 a year in a foundation that's supposed to augment and help students in, in scholarships? Then we had this great idea that since we're need, we need a, big, a bigger return on our investment, if we can go get 15% in the market, then we can cover our salaries and our overhead, and we don't have to worry about bleeding anymore. So they did that. They got in risky investments. In one calendar year, they lost $6 million in investments. The school's leadership was absolutely politely and kindly said uh, a mess. If you want to have that great liberal arts education, you have to be dead center. It doesn't mean you have like all your professors are moderates or dead center. I'm saying you have to, you have to draw that line in the middle and you have to have faculty on both sides. You, you know, dating myself a little bit, but you want you want William F. Buckley on on your uh, on your faculty and you want Gore Vidal. And after the speech, I got this reaction from a new college parent. My name's David Daigle. And David, uh, what did you think of uh, Mr. Corkin's speech? I thought it was pretty shallow. Uh, no substance whatsoever. Um, you know, we had a parent who asked about the treatment of students and, and he decides he wants to talk about pins and buttons that that uh, tour guides are putting on on their shirts. Um, you know, I don't think he, he I don't think he addressed the substance of a single question that was answered. 
some someone asked about uh, teachers, you know, and and rather than rather than mentioning the treatment of teachers, rather than mentioning the thousands of empty teacher positions we have in the state of Florida, in the state of Florida, he decides he wants to talk about his relationship with the uh, with the teachers union uh, leadership. You know, just there's just nothing there. Fentress said at the speech on Friday, uh, President Corcoran said that he was committed to creating a better liberal arts college, uh, and he wanted to go down the center. And, and although people in the DeSantis administration have said that they want a version of Hillsdale College installed at New College, Corcoran said that he didn't want that. So what, what's your take on what's going on at New College? Well, when I think about what is happening at New College, and I got to listen to some of Mr. Corcoran's remarks there, and I would say, you know, despite his performance at Tiger Bay, we can all read the news articles. We've been following this story for months, and we know that the intention is to reshape New College in the image of a very conservative institution. I listened to Mr. Corcoran say that the problems at New College were with the leadership and that they're cleaning it up, trying to make it a better place. If that's the case, then why has a third of the faculty left? You know, I have a young person in my district who's a constituent and he attends New College and he's very troubled. He tells me about what he and his fellow students are going through. They no longer feel included. They don't understand what's happening. They don't understand what the value of their degree is going to be. So to say that these changes are, are being made in the name of efficiency and cost savings, I think is misleading to the public. What we're seeing is one of the greatest fleecings in public education where you have a president at New College now making roughly $700,000. That's before you include all the other incentives with housing and vehicles etc. That's a thousand dollars per student. That's more than the president at Florida State makes. That's more than the president at University of Florida makes. And this seems to be the opportunity for DeSantis to reward his cronies and to continue to push his uh, indoctrination of what he thinks higher education should be in Florida. Danny, what do you think of the governor's makeover of New College? Well, I think what we're missing here is, is really the story is that New College has experienced record enrollment right now. So what I see is there is a longing for a, a more traditional, more conservative, middle-of-the-road type of training in the state of Florida. While, while we, we preach all the time about not necessarily needing to go to college, get a trade, be a plumber, be an electrician, all these trades we need, and I certainly see that in the real estate industry, there are people that still want to go to college. And, and for many of those folks, they feel excluded because these colleges have, have turned into social engineering, in my view. So having a college a focus split down the middle is what we need in the state of Florida. Uh, the president, Cochran, Corcoran did say how the college was, was losing money. Well, now with record enrollment, maybe we will start to see that turn around as well. And, and part of the story as well is, is the higher, you know, eliminating the diversity uh, department of the school and and the federal government government right now instituting a, um, a civil rights investigation on someone that wouldn't call someone by his or her known pronoun or they wanted to be called what a waste of taxpayer dollars that we're doing at that point D Danny just a quick follow-up is it clear to you whether or not the DeSantis administration wants a version of Hillsdale College or does it want a middle-of-the-road university is it clear to you well, you know, my, my wife and I were talking about that last night. She said, man, I, that would be great. I love Hillsdale College. We, we do. I mean, Hillsdale College teaches a, is a need that we have in this country. But that aside, 
the uh, Speaker Cochran, President Cochran, said he wanted a school down the middle. I have to trust that that is his goal, and I think that's what we need in our state. Uh, Mike, what's your take on this? Well, the problem is it's not down the middle. It is unbelievably right-wing conservative, and the fact that it does have an increased enrollment, but so many had left, and that certain parts of society who went to new college no longer feel comfortable there. LGBTQ students say they are discriminated against. They don't feel comfortable. I have talked to a lot of new college graduates who said to me, I would never have made it through college unless I found new college because of its unique way of running. It was a special college in the state of Florida. We have plenty of middle of the road colleges in our state and new college was something special. Now it is going toward the Hillsdale College model despite what Cochran says about it. And I think it's destroying the school. It's not down the middle of the road. Fetris, uh, Richard Corker made the point that uh, new college uh, student enrollment was dropping before the state stepped in and made this change and that it was losing money. So that's why the governor had to come in and change the board of trustees. Yeah, but one plus one doesn't equal two here, right? Because we're, we're coming in to change the board of trustees in the name of efficiency or in the name of making it like Hillsdale. If you want to come in and you want to help new college to perform better, then, then do that. But what we've seen is an extreme swing to the right that is completely transforming the culture and the character of that place. And I think it's important for students to feel included and welcomed and visible and seen. And that is what they had at new college. Okay. Well, the Tampa Bay Times reports that Florida's top government health official recommended this week that Floridians under the age of 65 should not get the new COVID-19 booster vaccine. That advice runs counter to federal guidance. This week, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommended the vaccine booster for everyone six months and older, ahead of an expected busy flu and COVID-19 season this fall. Dr. Joseph Ladapo, who was appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis to head Florida's health department, alleges that the new vaccine was approved without meaningful clinical trial data performed in humans and without proof of the vaccine's safety and effectiveness. There's essentially no evidence for it. There's been no clinical trial done in human beings showing that it benefits people. There's been no clinical trial showing that it is a safe product for people. And not only that, but then there, there are a lot of red flags. It comes as cases of COVID-19 in Florida have risen over the summer, with almost 24,000 cases reported in the final week of last month. Now, other medical experts don't agree with Surgeon General Ladapo's findings. This is just like what we do with the flu shot. Every year, the flu shot changes a little bit, um, but it's trying to match the circulating strains with the vaccine. You know, I don't know what the basis of his saying that it shouldn't be given to people under 65 and why it should be given to people over 65. Um, if it's bad for one group, it's bad for another group. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. Mike, uh, I got to ask you, you're, you're home in part because you've got COVID. Uh, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Uh I have felt better. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Fortunately, I had all my vaccinations up till now, which is so important because people who were not vaccinated had a 17% time, a 17 times greater chance of dying from COVID. At one point, 
98 to 99% of the deaths in this country were people who did not get vaccinated. That dropped a bit, but those who then died from COVID who had been vaccinated, most of them did not get the boosters. Remember that um, the Surgeon General stood on the steps of the Supreme Court with other doctors in white coats talking about zinc as being used to combat uh, uh, COVID, uh, hydro, uh, hydrochloroquine as a treatment. That's a malaria drug that the CDC says does not work for it. I don't know what this guy is thinking about, but it is dangerous. And like I said, I am fortunate, even though I have it, I have been vaccinated as much as I can. This is just downright dangerous. It's downright crazy. Danny, what do you think about this? Uh, is the governor pushing Ladapo to do this, or is Ladapo giving the best medical advice available? What, what's your take on this? Well, first, I would hope that Ladapo is giving his best medical advice. And, and honestly, you put, uh, you can find a group of doctors in any circle that's going to give you the answer that you want. I am not an anti-vaxxer by no means. All of my children were vaccinated before going to school. I was vaccinated, but honestly, I got the MMR vaccine. I've never had the mumps, I've never had measles, and I've never had rubella. But you can get vaccine for, vaccinated for COVID and have 16, 17, 18 boosters, and you're still gonna get COVID. I got COVID back in uh, December of 2020. So I was one of the OGs, and it was bad. There is no doubt about it. But I survived it, both my wife and I survived it. We quarantined ourselves. we did not get tested. So we don't know for sure if we had it, but we're pretty positive. So, but what I would say is, yes, there is an increase, but since day one, there has been less, right around the 1% or less of a death rate. Since day one, it has not changed. It may have gone down a 10th or a hundredth of a percent, but look at the, look at Johns Hopkins and their, and their, their numbers. It's 1% or less since day one. So, I, you know, you want to get boosted? That's great. Go ahead and do it. But it should never be a mandate. And I don't think the government should recommend it. Hmm. Don, you, uh, you're on the school board. Welcome to the show, by the way. Thank but you. What, what's your take as a school board member in Pinellas County? Uh, are there any mandates in the works for COVID or for masks uh, now that we're seeing a resurgence of new variants of COVID-19? Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like Danny. I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any stretch of the imagination. My daughters attended public schools. They got all their required vaccinations all through public school. Um, but I don't think that we should mandate vaccines. I think that's a personal choice and it's up to the individual to make that decision for themselves. And, and if they want to talk to their doctor about it, so be it. Um, Pinellas County Schools does not have any mandates in the works for masks or vaccines. In fact, the governor said that we can't do that as a government entity. I remember talking to some Pinellas teachers who were afraid of teaching back at the height of the first round of COVID because they were worried that people were not vaccinated and not wearing masks and they worried that the classrooms were unsafe. Well, if, if they don't feel safe, they should take the precautions they feel necessary to mm -hmm. protect themselves and, and vice versa. Okay. Uh, Fentress, is the Surgeon General of the state of Florida politicizing this issue or is he basing this on sound science? Well, he's continuing the politicization of this issue. And, you know, as I was listening to our conversation, I thought, I think our words would ring hollow to the members of my district, the, the constituents who have lost family members due to COVID and friends who have lost family members due to COVID. 
uh, we're talking about this in such uh, uh, an antiseptic way, but the reality is that people suffered great losses during that time, and those losses probably could have been mitigated if the president that we had at the time, Donald Trump, didn't start politicizing this issue from day one. Public health is exists to help the people, to help the public, but the minute it became politicized, all of a sudden folks were at one another's throats around these issues. I believe that every Floridian deserves the freedom to be healthy, prosperous, and safe, and that sometimes that means maybe we have to take self out of it and take a broader view in terms of how we can help best protect our entire community. Okay. Well, you know, and, and Rob, it, 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 we all ought to say that DeSantis asked people to get vaccinated before he decided this was a political issue he could use the other way. He endorsed vaccinations and then all of a sudden it became a political issue and he came out against it and now he has his surgeon general backing him up it, it is it's ridiculous Dan, do you want to respond in just a few seconds 10 seconds well sure i would think you know people do change their mind trump was all for the vaccines in the beginning it was what was being told to us to do so as the science progressed as we started to understand there was still less than a one percent death rate in this whole process the mandates needed to go away. All right. Well, in a rare interview on mainstream media, Governor DeSantis told CBS's Nora O'Donnell this week that former President Trump, who faces 91 felony charges, would have a hard time winning next year's election. So I didn't think even before all this that, that, that uh, the president should, uh, former president should have run again. I mean, I think that there's just certain there's too many voters who he's a deal breaker for them. I mean, Nikki Haley says Americans won't vote for a convicted criminal. Do you agree with that? I think the chance of getting elected president after being convicted uh, of a felony is, is as close to zero as you can get. Danny, is the governor right? Uh, and, and it looks like uh, former President Trump is on the road to winning that nomination. Is, is Ron DeSantis right about this? You know, I'm a big Ron DeSantis fan. I think he was the right governor at the right time. I'm a big Trump supporter as well, and I definitely supported him in the general election. But prior to him running, before he got in the race, I was a Jeb Bush supporter, and, and, and I like Jeb a whole lot. But how many people at that time in 2016 underestimated Donald Trump? I think the governor right now is underestimating Donald Trump again to his detriment. Right now, the polls I was looking at this morning, Quinnipiac, I think, has Trump in the primary at 62% and DeSantis at 12%. You know, these indictments have just further emboldened Donald Trump, has emboldened his supporters, and which I would count myself among them, to, be the, to see this as a political witch hunt. There's people around the world that even say that as well. So is a conviction going to change that? It might. But honestly, I don't think so. I think if he's convicted, that's going to bring his base out even stronger. And he will win the, the, the primary. Now, winning the general may be a different thing. Fetris, uh, I have you, to agree oh, with go ahead, Danny Mike. 100%. I'm sorry. I have to agree with Danny 100%. I saw a piece today from a, um, a conservative religious organization, Pray, Stand, and Vote. And they interviewed the people and asked them about the uh, convictions would it make them more likely to vote for Trump or less? And they uh, everybody they interviewed said more likely. Having said that, though, there was an AP story that came out this week that said 64 percent of Americans would not vote for Trump, regardless of the convictions. And I don't understand how anybody could think that people who didn't vote for Trump last time 
would now go vote for Trump in 2024. So I think he will get the nomination. And I think, and I will say honestly, I pray that he does not win the election. Ventress, what's your take on, uh, I want to ask you about Danny's point. Danny says, look, these charges against former President Trump are a political witch hunt. What do you think? No, not so much, uh, particularly when you look at what happened in Georgia and you had the sitting president at the time calling officials in Georgia saying, I need you to find some votes. Uh, that's fraud and sounds like felony to me, full stop. Uh, I don't know how this is going to impact the ultimate outcome of the election, though. I think if Trump is the nominee, he loses the general, because what we saw both in 2020 and in 2022 in the midterms was a rejection of extremism. I don't think any of us have any problem with there being, you know, conservative perspectives and more liberal perspectives. I think all of that is great to have in the mix. But what America is experiencing is, is extremism fatigue, and they're tired of being, you know, pulled along by this, this former president who just wants to take them on a, a, a ride that's so wild. <laughs> All right, let's do one more topic. NBC News reported this week that Florida school districts removed about 300 books from school library shelves last school year. That's according to a new list of removed or discontinued materials that was quietly made public by the state's Department of Education late last month. The removals were prompted by more than 1,200 objections raised by activist individuals or parents of public school students. The discontinued titles include dozens of books containing LGBTQ themes or characters, including the award-winning memoirs Gender Queer and All Boys Aren't Blue, as well as the illustrated children's books A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo and And Tango Makes Three. Other books on the list include Toni Morrison's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel Beloved, Bernard Malamud's national book-winning novel The Fixer, and Margaret Atwood's Booker Prize-winning novel The Testaments. Manatee's district removed the third most books from its shelves last year, 25. Only Clay and Martin counties removed more. Don, I think we're only going to have time for you to answer this question, but should we be concerned about 300 books being removed across the state, or is this what should be done to protect our kids? Well, I think it's, it's up to the, the taxpayers in that district. I can tell you in Pinellas County in the 22-23 school year, we removed zero books. Uh, we had a couple of objections, but we, were, we, they were, we followed our process, we followed due process, and the books were then reestablished. And sometimes books do need to be put into certain categories to be age appropriate for children based on their content. And I don't disagree with that. There is very specific law that states what, that gives us the guidance that we need to follow to understand how to do that. But at this time, we have not removed a single book in Pinellas County. And I don't uh, agree with banning books. My daughter is a librarian in Pinellas County. I, she, my daughters are extremely well read. I have never censored what they read, and, um, but that's a parent's choice. So um, like I said, I can speak to Pinellas County and I'm very proud to be working in that county with the people that I am. Okay, well, before we go, what other news story should we be, be paying attention to? Uh, Fentress, your other big story. Property insurance. Property insurance rates are on the rise. I know we're all feeling it, but there's a report that's been released that property rates with citizens is about to increase. So this billion-dollar bailout, multi-billion-dollar bailout that was just given by the Florida Republicans in the legislature to the insurance industry didn't work. Three billion dollars. Three billion. Yeah. Danny, you're the big story. Well, I, you know, I was following a story down south in Indian River County. The Indian River School Board apparently was being a little bit criticized by one of their tweets that they had not too long ago. So they decided to 
just completely privatized and, and where you have to ask to join their Twitter account. This is a, a public institution, a government in the state of Florida that has protected and locked down their tweets. Me personally, we live in a state that has full sunshine and our government should not do that. I reached out to the ACLU of Florida, which on their website talks about, against this. I've reached out to the school board and I've reached out to uh, the county commission down there as well as our state reps. I've not heard but buckets about it and that's very disappointing to me. All right, and Don, your other big story. I don't know if it's a big story, but uh, as far as school boards are concerned, there's a uh, referendum coming up on the 20, uh, the next ballot, <laughs> sorry, um, for uh, whether or not school board should go from a nonpartisan seat to a partisan seat. And what's your take? What do you recommend? I would like to see it stay nonpartisan because I don't think schools should be politicized. All right. And Mike, your other big story. While we're talking about the Surgeon General, besides his $250,000 salary from the state, he gets almost another quarter of a million dollars from the University of Florida. I made a public records request and asked for the classes he teaches and the office hours he has, and they said there is nothing responsive to your request, meaning he doesn't have any. So I said, what does he do for his money? And they said, well, he conducts research and supervises it. So I asked again in another public records request, what research has he supervised or has he taken part in? And again, they said, there's nothing responsive to your request. So he's getting almost a quarter of a million dollars on top of his $250,000 salary for doing nothing. I think we were wrong to label you a retired reporter, Mike. Hey, th <laughs> thank you all for a great show. And thank you for watching. Send us your comments at ftwwedu.org and like us on Facebook. You can view this and past shows online at wedu.org or on the PBS app. And Florida This Week is now available as a podcast. And from all of us here at WEDU, have a great weekend and happy Rosh Hashanah. Florida This Week is a production of WEDU, who is solely responsible for its content.